Welcome back, our loyal viewers, to A Talk with Traders. Today, I have the opportunity to talk with Brian Pezum and Jared Champagne about their view on the markets, swing trading, and day trading. We have a three-way conversation about uh, their perspectives on the markets and how they approach managing both swing trading and day trading simultaneously. Thanks for joining, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. So hello, Brian and Jared. Welcome to A Talk With Traders. Happy to have you both here today. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having us. No problem. So guys, look, um, today there's a few things that uh, I wanted to talk about. And it's great to have both of you because we can sort of have a conversation about your respective styles um, and, uh, and, and learn a little bit more about uh, your trading and how you see <clears throat> the markets. So... Let's actually start with your uh, with a little bit of your trading backgrounds because you know you're you're probably well <laughs> probably you're well known in the bell bear bull traders room but there's probably people listening to our podcast that aren't as familiar so maybe I'll start with Brian you uh, I know you've been trading for a very long time uh, maybe you can just give me like a little synopsis how did you end up sort of day trading and uh, swing trading yeah I uh, you know as maybe a lot of people know them people that have read my book, um, How to Swing Trade, they, uh, I started at a very young age, I would say, uh, my, I, I guess my, you could say my father got me into, uh, into trading, he was, uh, he was investing in the stock market. And of course, that was uh, many years ago, that was when, uh, when you went home after, uh, after work and checked the evening paper to see hmm. where stocks had closed uh, the previous day. Yep. So obviously uh, pre-internet <clears throat> and uh, you know, I'd, I'd hear him on the phone talking to his broker and placing trades and, and looking at stocks. And, and I uh, think at one point I said, you know, when can I buy a stock? Mm -hmm. So uh, he set up an account with his broker for me and uh, I bought uh, one share of a company called uh, Bell, uh, Bell Telephone at the time. It's no longer called that, but uh still have that one share today <clears throat> and awesome. yeah that's really where I um how I where how I started uh, and got interested in trading and then when I moved to the uh to the coast uh, I happened to meet a few stockbrokers uh at the time and uh they started getting me into IPOs initial public offerings uh, on of small companies on the Vancouver exchange which existed at the time and uh yeah, so I got, uh, and then I got more and more interested in, in that. And then, uh, of course, the internet came along and uh, I was the, uh, started, I guess, essentially day trading uh, during the internet bubbles when I really started uh, trading actively <clears throat> and uh, made a lot of money and then uh, gave it all back. And it was a, it was a, it was a hard lesson, but it was a, a good lesson and uh, learned a lot from that uh that experience and so uh just taking it forward to today we're doing a bit of day trading and some uh swing trading and of course uh, i still i have long-term positions as well so just uh yeah that's kind of where things uh how things evolve for me over time well obviously and, you have uh, you have long-term positions if you still have that one share of bell 
I still exactly that's that is probably my longest that would probably be my longest term position ever for you sure bet. yeah you bet. well you, boy you really went from extremes there because I mean there's probably nothing more blue chip at least not in Canada than Bell Telephone or Bell Canada as it is now and uh, to go from that to trading IPOs on a venture exchange the the, the yeah. Vancouver Stock Exchange wow that's sort of extremes and back again so yeah yeah so like i said i've got a I, you know traded uh pretty much everything from uh you know startups to uh, yeah to really well established uh sort of what you would find in your uh in your grandfather's account you know earning <laughs> dividends and yeah. the funny thing about that is that you know i started out with that one share and, and i think i've got about 50 shares now because uh, I just it got into this dividend reinvestment program right. uh, rather than getting checks for uh, five cents every uh, every th three months from Bell. I just started reinvesting it and it was, yeah, it's, it's turned into about 50 shares right now. So it's been, uh, I think I figured it out once it's about a seven, seven or 8% return. So it, it's been okay. <laughs> in terms of capital, well, you know, it's it's yeah. it's a stable seven or eight percent per year for yeah. you know decades. Is is yeah. good. It's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and it it is probably about fifty years. You know, I oh, guess wow. I think it was about sixteen when I uh, bought it. Yeah, so there you go. Just wow. gave away my age. Yeah, well, you, you mean you, you don't look good. Day over, day over. eighteen. <laughs> all right well so jared uh how about your background i, I bet you didn't start with a canadian uh, telephone company but uh how'd you get it that's correct that is correct yeah my, my start was a little bit different than that so um for a long period of time as a software engineer which is actually my main career at the moment um a lot of my investing experience had been through Roth IRA through 401k contributions, just that long-term mindset and starting to understand value investing as I was getting more mature into my, my career itself. Around September of 2018, I discovered Andrew's book and that's when my exposure to more of the day and swing trading styles uh, became more aware of how to profit off of it how to actually utilize it as a, a new way to invest or um, obviously trade in these markets. And when I first got started, I wasn't really sure if I was going to take on such an endeavor because I knew it was a time commitment. I knew that uh, there was going to have to be a lot of basically changes in both my management of time and just overall uh, psychology with how to trade uh, so I, for, for day trading specifically or both tr day trading and swing trading, I would say for both, but okay. ultimately for day trading, I knew that that would have to be a pretty significant commitment because at the time I, I had no intention of ever stopping my career as a software engineer. I certainly wanted to just expand my avenues of knowledge. I was interested in the topic pretty heavily at the time. I was starting to learn things like options on the side and just trying to expose myself to what's possible. Right. So uh, in that time, you know, September 2018, started the entire process of reading, learning, watching free content, exploring what actual uh, available services are out there for people who want to trade, and then ultimately landing with Bear Bull uh, 
starting to get into the sim and live trading and obviously building styles from there, um, trying to explore different instruments as well, because the, the market is so vast as to what you can do and how you can trade, regardless of the time frame or the, um, the instrument that you use. So that was that was the big challenge is just landing somewhere that I was comfortable with knowing that I had a full time career on the side. Yeah. Well, and, and that continues to be a challenge today. Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, there's no way to know at all, but that's a good place to dig into because as you say, you can't sort of know the entire breadth of the market. However, you know, Jared, you run uh, a show in the mornings every, every day the market is open, engineering the markets at Bearable <laughs> Traders, uh, which, and you go over the markets in general, right? You sort of talk about general trends where the industry and segments are going and, and what you believe, you know, we can expect out of them and their relative impact. So mm -hmm. how, how do you, you know, I guess it, well, let's start there. How do you see that as uh, an important part of your trading strategy and how do you find time to do it? So for applying it to intraday, it can often be as simple as seeing something active in that morning session, noting it as a larger event as opposed to one or two individual stocks that may be moving on a catalyst and just knowing that Often, if you see significant strength or weakness in a certain sector, in a certain industry, you can sort of eyeball the best candidate in that area and find an opportunity intraday. So it can be as simple as just finding that spot, knowing where to look, find your candidate, and ultimately trading it successfully. So That's you, more the intraday perspective. Right. So use it as a macro view that allows you to narrow into specific, uh, specific areas. Exactly. Okay. And then... Now Sorry, Jared, I, I want to ask Brian, like, is that is that sort of how you do it as well? Because usually when I hear you, like you do a lot of market analysis overall as well, but you, you tend to start with specific stocks you have an interest in. Maybe I'm just seeing the end of the, the process. Um, do, you, do, do you use yeah, the same it, filtering? Uh, yeah, that is sort, sort of the same thing that, uh, that Jared was talking about there. I do, you know, I do a lot of analysis of, you know, broader the broader market, um, you know, where money's rotating in and out of. I also look at, you know, specific stocks that are not just, not just, that don't just happen to be in play, um, you know, on that particular day, because of course, you know, they, they've released an, um, an earnings, some earnings news or uh, some other news that are, you know, causing them to be active on that specific day. But there, there are other sort of, uh, I would say more macro trends or, or stocks that tend to be trending, um, for multiple days and I'll pick those up on uh, sort of swing trade scans and either have them as swing trades or, or have them in my uh, watch list for the, for a day trade at the open. And yeah, and you know, occasionally I'll have some random stock or two up in my watch list when we post those in the morning and, and people will, go, will be going like, Oh, where did you get that from? That's not on the, the gappers watch list or, right. but it's, you know, it's usually something that I've picked up that I have uh, some specific interest in that I, um, you know, might see, uh, might see as being active for more than one day. Uh, UPST is one stock that um, we just, uh, I, I did a bit of a swing trade on, but it, it started to get active um, sort of before it started showing up on the gappers list. So that's an example of that. And, and like Jared just mentioned, you know, there's the other things that I like to watch, like specific sectors that might be in play. So we talk about uh, different uh, ETFs like uh, XLE, which would be uh, in the energy 
sector or the um, GLD, which would be a, a way to play the gold sector not GLD, um, GDX, which would be a way to play the gold sector. So keeping an eye on those as well. And, and you know, do you use that sector information uh, mostly for your swing trades? Because you sort of talked about both. Like in the middle of the day, will you use that sector uh, detail to say, oh, well, the whole sector is going up there for something you may have a specific interest in as a, as a traded stock, you know, will influence yeah. your trade? Or is it really more you know, just for the longer term overnight holds? Yeah, I mean, usually, usually the the sector trades aren't just overnight holds, usually it's uh, specific stocks. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you if you, for example, we've had a nice little run up on, uh, on gold over the last month or so. So, uh, you know, that the easiest way to play those kinds of moves is is with uh, ETFs rather than, you know, picking out an individual stock like a Newmont, any NEM, or you know, like a, a Barrick Gold. It's just easy. Just to throw your money into a, an ETF um, like the GDX or GDXJ, which would be the Junior uh, Gold Miners. Um, or if you really want to get uh, aggressive, you know, you can find ETFs that are um, you know double and triple uh, betas, like uh, for gold, for example, it would be Nugget and UGT. So, you know, if you feel strongly about a particular sector and, and uh, you want to get in on a, a swing trade or, or even if you want to trade it intraday, you can you can get more aggressive with uh, ETFs versus versus just trading individual company names. Right. Jared, similar approach for you. Will you use those to, uh, you know, take directional market like, uh, uh, sorry, sector trades or do you tend to just use them as indicators for individual stocks that you're looking at? I would say more the former. Um, okay. <clears throat> often I'm looking for sort of changes in trend with a lot of exposure to one thing that's been working for a while. Often that's usually when that one thing stops working. If everybody knows about it, it, it often tends to be the end of that move. So I'm looking for sort of the next big thing to change. And usually it's similar concepts. It, it may be something like clean energy which may or may not be starting to sort of awaken around this time and has been sort of in the back burner for quite a while because it hasn't been going up very often. So looking for that shift to occur, looking for the right signals to see if anything's actually indicative of that. And then usually trying to position early, allow for the change to occur, people to start becoming more aware of the change and ultimately looking to kind of be conservative to profit because usually it, it starts to ramp up and then dies pretty quickly after that. Right. Um, so try to find shifts in things. And, and specifically with gold, I, I found it interesting that we were not really looking at gold directly. We were looking at things like the dollar index, which has been for the most part on a nice decline ever since um, sort of the COVID lows. So finding good inflection points in the dollar led to a really great sort of buy signal inside of gold. And so far that has played out quite well. Right. Yeah, uh, Jared made a, Jared just brought up a really good point about uh, the clean energy. And that's uh, the, one of the few sort of trades I'm in right now, which is, again, it's the, it's the company versus do you trade the specific companies or do you trade the ETF? And, uh, you know, I was watching, keeping an eye on, on plug like um, and fuel cell 
companies like that, those alternate energy plays. And I noticed, I thought they were kind of starting to, to bottom. So, um, so I got into uh, the ETF called uh, ICLN, which is the, just the clean, uh, clean energy ETF. Right. So rather than pay, I, I guess I, you know, I could have played plug or I could have played um, fuel cell, but uh, I chose the ETF instead. But that, that's the, that's an example of a exact example of what Jared was just talking about there. Uh, looking for a, a trend change. All right. Oh, this, this is great. I mean, cause I, you both tend to, I mean, you're both swing traders and day traders, obviously, Brian, you've authored a book on how to swing trade. Um, and what I'm hearing from you is that you you use this information, I guess, to not only inform your swing trades. I mean, you, you've clearly said that, right? That you sort of look yeah. at the sector and individual stocks, and it'll help you understand where the sector's going. Do you find it gives you like advance notice, I guess, of when things become day trade eligible, or is it sort of a different process to find them? Because like when we day trade, at least in the bearables trading room, we tend to use a gappers list. So it's stocks that have moved that morning. Usually it's news related. Sometimes it's entire industry or segment related, but you'll find things on there and we look for, you know, what's moving the best, what has, you know, what is in play, meaning it's got a fair amount of volume that morning and it seems to just be, you know, moving fairly well. But do you get like a, uh, you know, again, like sometimes advance notice where you'll be watching things for a few days and then when it hit you know i don't know does it hit the gappers and then you say but i've already got some familiarity with what i think it's going to do not just the fact that it's gapping or is it a whole different process when you're when you move to day training no it's uh, as it's it's pretty much what i said like it's uh, you know probably as far as my day trading goes i mean i would say anywhere from 80 to 100 percent uh, of my uh watch list as we go into the open will be um you know, will be stocks in play, like this, what, what you were talking about going through the gappers watch list, right. um, looking for things that are active because those, those will typically um, be the best uh, opportunities. So having said that, I've always got a, you know, I've always got a few stocks in the back of my mind, maybe on a secondary list uh, that I've picked up from swing trading. Sometimes one of those, if, if there's not a great number of opportunities or, um, good-looking options for the um, for the open, then, yeah, I'll, I'll move one of my swing trades up to the um, my primary watch list, or if I really like it, I will put it up on the primary watch list. So, yeah, I mean, it can, it you know, one or two of my swing trades can show up on, or swing trade ideas can show up on my primary watch list, but not necessarily all the time. Right. Just really depends on how the morning's looking overall. And do you find, like Jared, in your case, do you find, you know, if and when that happens, does it um, does it give you a feel for where you think the stock's going to go? Like Brian was talking about I, ICLN, for example, and fuel cell or, or plug. You know, do you do you find that yourself? Okay, well, I believe the industry is going up over time, but on an actual day trade, the stock may or may not go up on that day, right? Just because the 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 industry is going to be moving up over time. Do you find that that uh, background does it does it bias you to your benefit or do you find it almost a detriment because you you're you come in sort of with a, an opinion as a to bias. where it's going to go yeah the bias. right <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> that is that is a hard thing to balance because the mindsets are different as as a swing trader you're looking for a longer term perspective and ultimately your risk definition is larger than most of our intraday sort of ranges that we play around in but 
in the case where maybe I have high conviction about a sector or an industry that's moving that day, whether it be one stock has a catalyst and it's kind of dictating the directional bias for the whole sector or industry, or there's just some reason for money to be flowing into that area. Um, a really simple example would be if you're watching uh, crude contracts and you're just seeing that crude is up pretty strong that day, well, then I can be looking at energy and just sort of pick the best energy stock that has the best volume, the best maybe gapper if it has gapped at that time, and then just look for that, you know, simple one to five minute setup that allows me to get into a trend that may already be starting with things like the back end, uh, I would say like item of interest for energy crude or natural gas being up that day. So I, it's once again, that top down approach. I'm looking at a few things to see, yes, energy may be up, but crude is flat. So maybe that's not a high conviction trade at that time or energy is flat but the oil report is coming out later today. And I believe that that oil report will be a catalyst for energy, which is already bullish. And, you know, just putting that together sort of in the back of my mind, allowing it to be a secondary until it triggers, or if everything's lining up really well in the pre-market, I, I can at least assume that there's a lot of eyes on that trade and look for that as a, uh, just a general, you know, watch list energy sector as a whole, not right. one stock. Right. So. Excellent. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, changing gears a little bit, I'm curious about your tactics because we're talking about how you identify stocks. I'm curious about how you actually trade. So, you know, from swing trading to day trading, um, let, let's start with swing trading. Uh, you know, for, for I guess both of you, are you still um, technical traders? Do you find yourself leaning on fundamentals more? Is it is it some combination of the two? You know, how do you actually make a, a, a trade decision um, and determine sort of entry points, exit points, you know, targets? What do you use for that? So I'll go ahead and start on that one. Um, so depending on what I'm trading and the instrument that I'm using, I may have different tactics. I may find that something is getting into a buy zone, but it's been in a pretty strong downtrend since that point. So the buy zone may be correct, but there's not a lot of upper momentum. And in those cases, I don't necessarily want to lock up capital waiting for the trend to change or the setup to actually trigger in the opposite direction, nor do I want to necessarily risk more downside if it does occur. So often in those cases, I may put on smaller option-based strategies, something where I can define my risk pretty clearly. I don't have to worry about a lot of capital lockup. And depending on what I'm, I'm trading, that may be the best advantage because there's other factors in play, you know, right. other Greeks that I can take advantage of. Right. But all um, of what you just said sounds like it's a very technical approach. Like you're not necessarily looking at the price of oil and saying, I think it's fundamentally undervalued at this point. Or, um, you know, you're looking at oil inventories and saying that, hey, I think they're increasing. Therefore, you know, the oil, the oil, you know, price might go down because inventories are going up. You're more looking at sort of technical signals within the, the, the industry and chart patterns. I would, I would say for swing trade specifically, yes. Um, okay. If it's more of a core trade, something that I expect will take a full market cycle to kind of resolve, let's say I believe we're going into 
more of a full recovery phase. And I, I believe certain stocks are going to perform better in that phase versus others. I may just buy the shares. Um, it would probably be in some other type of account, like a Roth IRA, where I can just lock in a fundamentally strong company in that case that hasn't been seen in a lot of love in the past because yeah. no one's necessarily interested in it at that time. So do um, you have a, you, you just introduced a term there, a core trade. So I assume that mm -hmm. sounds like it's a longer term trade than a swing trade. So right. you would you right. would consider that, have you got specific rules around that or is it just, you know, a core trade is something you would hold, what, more than, you know, a quarter or more than a, yeah, I would, I would say it's usually based on fundamentally undervalued and mm -hmm. interest in that particular stock or sector. A good example would be Costco. Um, so Costco had a, a pretty recent downdraft and it led into a structure that technically looked like sort of capitulation and essentially V-bottomed from that, uh, recovering most of that drop, if not all of it at this time. I believe that Costco was undervalued at that level. So from a technical level, it was the right buy zone, but from a fundamental level, it made sense as well. I went ahead and initiated a core trade position in that. And until Costco is fundamentally overvalued, I don't really have intentions of selling it. Um, in fact, if it ever does give me another opportunity, I'd almost want to accumulate more because at this time, I believe it's still somewhat undervalued. Right. So it, it combines a little bit because usually a fundamentally undervalued company on a technical downtrend still doesn't necessarily make sense to initiate too much of a core position until you see the tides turning, at which point, you know, the company's still undervalued, but you may be getting a better price. Right. So sort of a momentum core trade sort of turnaround play, uh, usually on the, the downdraft is what I'm looking for. Got it. Okay. And Brian, on your side, how do you, you know, do you use fundamental valuations or I know you use technical patterns for sure on yeah. your swing trading, <laughs> but do you, do you find you use more of uh, you know, you, you go to some of the fundamentals a little more frequently or or not at all? No, I, I, I would say I do use fundamentals as, as well as technicals. I, I guess if you, uh, you want to put a number to it, it's I'm probably sort of an 80% technical trader, 20% uh, fundamentals, because I will, you know, I will take trades just based on, you know, what I see uh, as being undervalued as, as Jared was talking about. Uh, I'll give you, a, a, you know, an, an active example right now of uh, Ford. Mm -hmm. um, about uh, probably four months ago, I put on a, a long call position on Ford. At ten dollars, it was uh, it was in the money at that point. But uh, my my whole thesis on that trade was, um, you know, EV vehicles were, um, you know, sort of in or at least a lot of interest. And I knew Ford was basically uh, coming up with this Ford F one fifty vehicle and and the Mustang. And I knew there would be news flow coming out of that. So. Um, so it was really, that, that wasn't so much of a technical trade, that was more of a fundamental trade, knowing that at some point during this year, there would be a number of releases. And of course, we've just gone through uh, through two of them where the, the stock has uh, popped up. And I've just basically been trading around that position when it pops up, I'll sell some. Um, I, I added some back when it pulled back a, a little while ago, and then I've just sold some again as it's popped up on this uh, 
latest news with the uh, their big uh, release of the of the Ford vehicle, which is exactly what I was expecting to happen. So that I would call that a more of a fundamental sure. trade than a technical trade. I really didn't look too much at the chart on that. Last um, week. Last week, you yeah. had uh, President Biden uh, drag racing the electric Ford yeah. uh, F-150, right? Wasn't he? He was, <laughs> That's he was, right. trying, to, he was trying to hit, uh, I don't know, he was he was busy touting like, I, I, I'm going to hit 80 miles an hour in 4.4 seconds, and then I'll hit the brakes. And, uh, he reminded, yeah. he reminded me a lot of Doc Brown in that, uh, that, yeah. uh, that video. Well, there you go. I didn't, uh, All yes, he needed... All he needed was the visor glasses to expand <laughs> his uh, aviators. Well, that's so what made the, yeah. you happy on your swing trade anyways. Well, no, exactly. And that was that was kind of the splashy thing that I was kind of expecting to happen. And, and again, that's more of a, I guess, a fundamental story as opposed to looking at a chart and seeing a double bottom. But, you know, and, and having right. said that, those are, you know, those are our trades I'll also look for. Um, as And again, as Jared mentioned, looking for that uh, indication that... Uh, a trend um, has changed from one direction to another. And uh, again, I guess the, um, you, you know, you could call this latest trade, one of the latest trades I've done, which is the clean energy trade. It was somewhat, it was somewhat fundamental and somewhat technical. Uh, I, I, as I basically thought that the, the um, sector itself was getting, had been really oversold. It's been going down for months now. And I just thought at some point it's going to turn. So I thought it, you know, that the interest is going to come back into it. There's the fundamental component. And then the technical component, it just, it did look like it was getting ready to turn from a, on the chart perspective. So I thought that was, uh, again, the fundamentals were kind of reinforcing the technical, what I was seeing on a technical basis. So, um, yeah, so sometimes, Sometimes I'll use a combination of both. I took a trade on a long trade on Facebook because I thought, you know, this was it, it had been sold off. Um, the PE ratio I was looking at, it was quite reasonable compared to a lot of the other tech companies. And so, you know, again, just one one indicator confirming another. And, the, and that's what you're always looking for as a trader. You're trying to find you're trying to look at indicators and trying to find as much confirmation in, in a thesis that you're developing, try to find as much confirmation as possible in that thesis. Um, and hopefully that gives you, uh, you know, the edge that you need to, to make profitable trades. Right. Now, Jared, you mentioned options a couple of minutes ago, and I know you're both option traders. Um, do you find, uh, you know, is it, is it interchangeable in terms of, you know, your option trading? Uh, specifically, I've, in this case, I'm talking about, you know, with, with your swing trading. Or are there specific conditions under which you would prefer to use options versus actually trading the stock directly? I would say it, it depends on the cost basis of the, the position that I'm looking to enter into. There's aspects of what I like to do with options when I'm not 100% convinced of the trade. And usually it's, it's either starter positions that I'm looking to initiate, sort of biding my time and allowing for a little bit of premium collection while I'm waiting for things to change. Or if I'm high conviction, I can use the options as a form of leverage to just kind of add to the potential upside that I'm looking to gain. Hmm. So in the cases of um, things like the clean energy sector, you know, something as simple as just selling a cash secured put in something that you want to start a position and assuming you can buy the hundred shares that you're, you're looking to start. Um, that's a way for you to kind of have a, a small 
um, starter in something that you want to get into, but things have not necessarily turned around just yet. There hasn't been that downtrend break of the technical signals that you're looking for, which usually brings in the buyers that lead to the upside. Um, so, you know, biding your time using technical levels to define risk versus reward parameters. And then ideally, if the option market is giving you high volatility, maybe there was some sort of back and forth of the price action, the volatility got elevated. You're expecting things to settle at this point, but you don't want to go long or short because you don't want to get whipsawed out. You can use those elevated premiums, define some sort of spread to have your risk defined, and then ultimately just collect money while you're waiting for things to settle, maybe to uh, start to compress inside of the actual ranges of the, uh, the price action. So it, it just depends on the setup, the technical setup usually. But if I'm not 100% convinced, I normally start in the option market because I'm not trying to be directional from the get-go. I'm trying to sort of edge into where are the buyers, where are the sellers, what type of buyers are expected down here, and how long does it take for them to actually change the, the tone of that market or of that product. So some, so. some com more complicated strategies, obviously leveraging them, but it gives you the opportunity mm -hmm. to, sounds like both do risk mitigation, but mm -hmm. also when, as you said, when you have high conviction, because of the highly leveraged nature of options, you can use it sort of as a multiplier effect, I guess, for those, when you have a, a strong expected move. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And for, yeah, I mean, for me, uh, sometimes I, I just like options, trading options, just because, um, you know, I, if, if I want to take, if I, with, when I get back, if I get back to my Facebook trade here, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to fork out a hundreds of thousands of dollars to, um, you know, to take a, a thousand, uh, share trade on, uh, on Facebook, you know, so I can, I can lay out maybe $3,000 and take a thousand, you know, get an option on a thousand shares. Um, right. and that doesn't tie up a lot of my capital. Um, so that's kind of one that's one time I might consider a, an options trade, whether it's just straight buying a call or, you know, financing it by selling another call above um, to lower the cost of my break even. That's a bit of a, you know, more of a, not say an advanced strategy, but it's a common strategy people use. Mm -hmm. And with the Ford trade, again, it was an options trade because I, I, I kind of knew I was going to be in it for a long time. Uh, you know, because it was a leap, it was uh, well over a year before expiry. And, uh, you know, I just, I, you know, Ford doesn't move a lot, but the options do, you know, so when you get a nice spike on Ford, you know, I got a nice percentage move on my, on my position, uh, certainly a much better percentage move than I would have got if I owned, uh, you know, whatever it is, a uh, thousand shares of Ford. Okay. So um, so there's a couple of, you know, uh, specific times when I would use options, consider right. using options over just trading, a, you know, buying in a thousand shares of a stock that's trading at $20. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a strong, strong consideration for capital management there. So as you said, yeah. you're not tying up as much capital and it doesn't seem to matter to you what the relative price of the stock is. It's really about what your intent is entering the trade. You've, you've got a premise, you've got, you know, an understanding of what you're looking to do with it. It sounds like options may give you more flexibility. And as you said, even more earning potential like in Ford um, versus just, you know, the, the, the simple strategy, if you will, of just buying and holding. 
yeah. the stock. Again, it, it, the price does influence me a little bit. I mean, I, I, um, you know, a stock like um, like Facebook, which is trading for hundreds of dollars a share, I'd be, I definitely would be more inclined to, to look at an options trade over just you know buying, buying a, and tying up all that capital to to own a, a, at least a significant amount of enough of a, enough of a position to make it interesting for me. Right, right, excellent. Yeah, and then. Just to add to that too, sometimes an option strategy is your only option in certain cases. Mm -hmm. um, with regards to like a hedge against maybe some volatility coming into the market, there are times when the VIX index is at a buy point for me and I'm not necessarily trying to make money off of the trade. I'm not trying to knock it out of the park with the setup, but I do expect the market to correct or have some news catalyst that's up and coming that market participants may be a little bit shaky on. And that usually leads to a short-term vol spike. So just taking advantage of that and using the index, which only has options to trade against, that allows me to have some exposure. And in the longer term perspective, it protects some of the unrealized gains that I do have in my long positions on the market. So, right. you know, just allowing for the market to correct itself, not necessarily going bearish, but allowing for that quick ball spike to add to your, uh, your realized gains over time. Right. And protecting your downside of something nasty does happen. Yeah. And look, and we know that like, there's lots of option strategies out there. We, we could spend hours talking just about <laughs> options and how you can leverage, you know, covered positions to, uh, to, you know, earn extra earning money on, on long-term holds, I guess. But let, let's leave that for now. Cause I really want to get into the day trading while we have time, uh, because, you know, so the swing trading is fascinating, but you both swing trade and day trade. Maybe I could ask you some, let's start with some, some quick questions just to compare styles. Um, a lot of people, uh, just some, maybe let's start with some tactical questions to get them out of the way. Um, do you use a separate account for swing trading and day trading? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. And do you have strict rules about not swing trading the same stocks that are, that you're day trading or vice versa? <clears throat> uh, no, because sometimes, sometimes I'll look at a trade day trade during the day and I'll think this is turning into what might be a good overnight hold or a you know, a better long swing trade. So I'll, I could potentially hold that into the close, depending on, on the price action going into the close. Right. And again, that, that involves being more of an active trader than, a, than someone that's, you know, coming home at night and pouring over charts. But that's, uh, you know, that's the advantage, I guess, of being more involved in the market. Right. Now, I want to specify on something there, Brian, because there's an important point we always talk about people, but never averaging down. But there's also another cardinal sin we sometimes call it in day trading, which is you turn a day trade into a swing trade because you're afraid to take a loss. What you're talking about is very different, though, right? You're into a, a stock that's that looks like it's going well, and you make a conscious decision to say, this looks like it's got longer term potential, so I will hold it overnight rather than saying, you know, hey, this thing hasn't gone up yet. I'm losing, but I'll just I'll just hold longer and we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very that's a very important uh, point that you're making. We, I will I will never carry a losing position over thinking. Well, maybe tomorrow it'll come back. Right. This is this would be typically a trade that I would have maybe taken in the morning or midday, 
uh, it's going my direction. I'm already profitable on it. I might even take a partial on it and then hold the rest. Right. Uh, but I, I would I would never take a trade that uh, that I'm now in a losing position on and just think to myself, well, I'll take this home and hopefully it'll go up again. It'll be back up tomorrow because I think that that's yeah, that's a recipe for uh, for disaster, for, you know, a, a further failure. Let's just say that more losses. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like they say, right, you, 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 if you're going to take somebody home from the bar at closing time is rare that they're prettier in the morning. So <laughs> same yeah. thing goes with stocks. Exactly. It's, yeah. Yeah. All right. So anyways, I just want to make that distinction because, you know, we talk about that a lot and I wanted to be clear in what you were saying. So that, that that's great. Um, all right. So differences, swing trading and day trading uh, in, in terms of strategies, do you have specific technical setups that you will only use day trading that you would never consider applying to a swing trade? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Cause as, as a day trader, I currently tend to mostly focus on what are considered intraday reversals, some sort of general trend that may be started in the morning or over a period of a couple of hours. I'm looking for the turnaround point, some sort of reversion to the mean or just kind of getting the, the best entry point for that change. And when it comes to swing trades, especially last year, which was kind of when I, I really got into it pretty heavily, I found that the best setups were more momentum on the breakouts, allowing for something already strong to get stronger and vice versa, but we didn't have a lot of weakness last year. Um, and also looking for just great pullback setups because it allowed me to define my risk pretty easily with a lot of the trending activity. Right. So intraday, I'm actually fighting what most people would consider a trend, but it's usually a short-term trend in the context of a longer-term pullback or buy setup. Uh, whereas a swing trade, I, I usually need more conviction uh, to initiate a trade and, and have the right risk tolerance uh, defined. Right. So, okay. And Brian, in your case, I mean, I, I know the answer already because you've got some signature setups, I would say, that I think are day trading only, right? Like at the open, you'll look at your rising devils, your yeah. uh, fallen angels, your the new lead balloon, as you call it. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Phoenix trades. So, yeah. and if anybody doesn't know what those terms are, I'd recommend you go to Bearable Traders and and we uh, we do talk about those and, and what those actually mean. But but to be clear, those are day trade only scenarios. Yeah, those are really opening, uh, you know, opening range trades. They typically start to play out within the first five minutes. But uh, yeah, they're tip. The, the, the kinds of trades that I would look at on from a swing trade basis uh, typically happen sort of more into uh, 45 minutes, an hour of trading where you'll look for double bottoms or, you know, you could see ABCD patterns. Uh, those are other trades that are more typical that can be used both swing trading and day trading. But um, yeah, those those specific trades you mentioned are, are definitely uh, day trading uh, very early, early market um, patterns right. that we look for. So as you said on the outset, Brian, you've got we'll call it 50 years of trading experience. And, uh, and yeah. Jared, you, you, you described a few fewer decades of trading experience. Yeah, just, just a few. <laughs> but you both seem to have established fairly clear rules by which you will day trade and swing trade. Um, mm -hmm. 
did, did you did you find it tough to get to that point though? Like, were there you know was there a point in your development where you were really sort of it would confuse you between the you know what am I trying to do swing trading and what am I doing day trading or did you find it pretty easy to differentiate the two and and be able to manage those trades trade scenarios simultaneously? So yeah, with with regards to swing trading, I, I think the fact that I'm looking at multiple different markets to put on a position allows me to sort of separate myself from the day trading, which mm. typically I only use the actual shares to day trade at this time. It, it's just an easier way to manage the risk. But most of the time with swing trading, I'm also allowing myself to sort of, uh, I guess, like postulate the best way to get in. You know, with only shares, it's either long or short, and you're looking for direction. Uh, with swing, and the, especially the way I'm doing it, I'm looking for, does it make sense to be directional yet? Do I want to go aggressive yet and add maybe on a, a deeper pullback or just size in? Do I want to um, allow myself to collect a lot of premium in the, the time that it's just oscillating back and forth? I'm looking for ranges. I'm looking for things that a lot of traders maybe will get trapped inside of in the swing trading world. Uh, the market trying to, you know, pull the the most out of everybody before it actually makes the move that everybody wants. So um, that separation and the amount of time it takes to think about how to set up the position allows me to differentiate the two pretty easily. Um, but there's often, at, bring us back to a pre previous uh, question, there are often things I see in the day trading world and I'm like, well, that that's working out quite well today let me see if other stocks in a similar area are doing the same mm. thing. And if that's the case, there may be a bigger thing about to happen. So I'm, I'm using that day trading info to bring it back to the swing trading world because I can take advantage of both if, it, if it's all working out that way. Yeah, no, I like that. So fairly easy for you to differentiate by the way you approach it. But, you know, you can find signals that you can use to say, you know, to, hey, may maybe I should be looking at this a little longer term as you're mm -hmm. watching the markets every day. Fantastic. Right. You find the same, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how and I can add much more to what Jared said. I mean, I see I see a crossover to, uh, you know, both of those trading approaches, just trading styles, if you want to call them that. There's definitely uh, a carryover between the two. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, what Jared's comments were pretty much the similar to what I would say. Excellent. Excellent. So last question, I, I, you know, in comparing the two, I'd love to know um, which, to, I guess maybe there's two questions here. Which do you find more enjoyable, if, if either, you know, swing trading or day trading, and which is more profitable for you? Being as, I'll, yeah, I can start out with that. I mean, uh, as, in terms of profitability, I mean, I think um, it really depends on, on the market. I think uh, right now, swing trading is getting a little more challenging just because yeah. we're getting into a lot of chop We're we're getting market we're getting rotation of money in and out of different aspects of the economy almost almost on a by daily basis or a daily basis so swing trading's become a little less uh lucrative i guess if you want to call it that um right at this point but i i would say it's kind of 50 50 over the last uh the last year so uh, uh, which one do I enjoy more? 
I guess uh, swing trading is a little bit more work because, you know, you got to do a lot more research uh, after you know, the markets are closed. Um, you know, you're constantly looking for setups and um, opportunities as, as we've been talking about. Whereas day trading, you can, you know, you jump on and you can trade for as long as you want and then shut it down and, and call it a day. And then, the, you know, the next day is a new day. So, um, yeah, I guess I enjoy both. I can't say I know I, I prefer one over the other. They're both enjoyable. Fair enough. Jared? It's an interesting question because I've, I've only had like two years of data points to work through. And wow. as I mentioned, last year was sort of an anomaly. Right. But I think last year, I would say certainly swing trading because I was still developing myself as a day trader. I was still going through the, the rigmarole of actually becoming a, um, a consistent trader and really getting my style locked down. But moving into 2021, I, I sort of reflect what Brian's mentioning. The markets at this time are becoming a little bit harder to gauge. There's a little bit less directionality in certain places. And things are either quick to move so you can get a one to two day sort of turnaround play. You know, you could take those short term profits. It's still a swing trade, but it's not nearly as uh, buy and hold as it used to be. And then from there, just allow that to do whatever it wants and look for another sort of quick setup, just a, a quick flip. Um, whereas at, with day trading, you know, the my objective is certainly hitting a goal every single day and it is a PL related goal. Right. So I'm looking to basically get that number, whatever it takes to get that number in the, the time frame that I do have and then shift into my full-time career. Uh, you know, obviously different objectives and different uh, limitations with um, what I'm able to do, you know, in that, that short time frame. So as far as enjoyability, I do enjoy day trading more specifically because as a moderator, I really enjoy speaking with other traders, even in that short time frame in the morning and just seeing what they're looking at, maybe giving a little analysis and even, you know, putting my two cents in, uh, specifically with, you know, what I'm actually trading that day. So that's enjoyable to me more because there is a community aspect to it. I think the swing trading, because I'm not yet as exposing myself to what I'm actually doing, um, it's sort of a, a one is the loneliest number in that regard. So maybe a little bit less fun, but uh, <laughs> certainly, certainly still profitable. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I, I thought you might go to the, the excitement of it. I was going to say, Brian, you know, oh. Br Brian, there, there's an example of the youth looking for that adrenaline rush that, yeah, us old folk, yeah. you know, we're, <laughs> we're not looking for anymore. So. <laughs> no way. all right well good so it sounds like you would both recommend you know that it's worth considering to any trader out there to look at swing trading alongside your day trading because it gives you it sounds like a little more flexibility especially during uh you know when market conditions change Mm -hmm. um, because then you can take advantage of the longer trending markets as well as trying to take advantage of those intraday moves whatever they may be Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for some people, obviously, day trading is is more challenging. Um, you know, it's it requires a little bit more uh, quick thinking, and and some people, you know, like to take some some particular people, not right or wrong, just like to take a little bit more time in considering decisions they're making. So it may not 
may not be a, a fit for them or um, or it could just be availability. I mean, if, if you're, uh, if, you know, like Jared's able to, to juggle a, a full-time job with, um, with a bit of day trading, but uh, maybe there are a lot of people out there that, you know, they, you know, when the market's open at nine 30, they've got to be, you know, out on the shop floor or they've got to be at a desk, you know, right. uh, dealing with clients. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, that's not an option for them or certain periods of the day aren't an option for them. So swing trading could be, a better alternative but uh, certainly if you can do both i think it one sort of bolsters the other yeah actually that, that raises a good point because you know i obviously brian you're sort of retired from your your primary career we'll say that and, and yeah. are able to spend the time at trading although you've got other business interests and things that you work on jared you're still managing a full-time job give me an idea how much time combined between day trading and swing trading would you say you spend on an average week you know ballpark estimate 20 to 30 hours, 40 to 60. I don't know. What, what, what are you doing? For me, it's, for me, it's yeah. approaching 40. Yeah. At 40 this point. Hours. Yeah. Especially the, the day trading alone is about a two, two and a half hour window engineering the markets. Uh, the show that I'm doing for bearable traders that alone takes a little bit of prep time and then yeah. leveraging in adding swing trading, using the weekend time to assess market conditions and, Kind of think about the next week yeah it's it's getting up there to about 40. okay brian yeah i mean i'd be a little bit less i'm i probably guess i'm around 25 20 to 25 with uh you know with moderating i mean it might be actually now that i'm thinking about it maybe it's a little more maybe it's more like 30 right. <clears throat> between so all the moderating and then uh looking at uh looking at uh, you know just doing basic research yeah. um you know, it takes up a lot of time. I would argue, you know, having watched you do it, Brian, I mean, you, you've got all those years of experience. So, you know, it, it, it does give you an advantage because, um, you know, you're probably able to do a lot of that work and make your assessments faster than somebody who's just getting into it as well. So, yeah, well, it's a, it, trading is you're constantly learning. If you, if you think that, uh, you know, that you're going to put five years in or mm -hmm. seven years in, and at that point you're going to know everything and you have everything figured out, you're, you're, I think you're sadly mistaken. I think right. you're, this right. is a, this is a profession where you're always learning. You're always having to adapt with uh, changing markets. Um, yeah. Nothing is stagnant in this, uh, in this business for sure. Sure. Fair point. Right. Yeah, no, good I, point. He, oh, go ahead. Bro. I feel that. I feel that almost 100% because yeah. being starting my career whenever the markets were relatively calm, seeing some of the volatility kind of kick up uh, late 2018, and then obviously everything with the COVID crash, it, it just changed my whole mindset of like what's possible mm -hmm. and just kind of changed like all barriers got removed as to the market can't do this. There's no way that doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, I, I was put through the, basically the ringer with, with last year. Cause I mean, a lot of people just, they didn't think the market could go higher. Right. They thought this had to be the end, you know, yeah. all time highs. What are we talking about here? Yeah. But I mean, everything got thrown out of the window. Yeah, so me included. Learning that applying it and honestly just taking it as a lesson learned. Cause I know I'll be in this career for quite a while we will likely see something of this magnitude at some point. And at that point, I hopefully will be as prepared as I should have been last year 
to take advantage of it. So it's, right. it's always a learning experience and a, a passion project to, to look back. Yeah, some great points there. You're right. The market market is never stagnant. And as you say, as the old axiom goes, right, the markets can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. So yeah. you, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta be careful taking uh you know, no matter what you're doing, taking <clears throat> too strong of a position and fighting the market. The market is always right. You know, it doesn't matter if it mm-hmm. makes sense. It's gonna do what it's gonna do. <laughs> so <laughs> Yep. All right. Last question for you both that I love to ask people. If you had advice for somebody who's, uh, you know, starting out today, what's the what's the one thing you would tell them to focus on? Research. Lots of uh, research and, ed- you know, education. Watch, you know, YouTube videos, read. Um, just get as educated as, uh, as you possibly can. And uh, if you're just starting out, I would say go slow. Don't, uh, don't, don't, don't do any YOLO trades as they call them, the, you know, the all in trades. Don't, uh, don't risk everything, uh, on, on one, uh, one trade that you think is going to go your way thinking you're going to win it, win big. Yeah. Good advice. Jared. I would say establish the right mindset as soon as possible when you get started come into this with the right expectations, the right uh, sort of passion and and sort of desire to learn and uh, allow yourself to be taught that you are wrong for a long time, you know, allow the market to sort of humble you slowly and carefully. Um, That uh, that really builds up a tolerance. It allows you to remove all of the, some of the psychological barriers, maybe not all of them, but, but ultimately to, be in this for the long term, which I think is a lot of people's objective. Um, always start slow, but um, yeah, allow allow the market to really humble you first and <laughs> and come in with the right mindset. Doesn't it? Excellent mm-hmm. advice from both of you. All right. Mm-hmm. Brian Peslam is the author of How to Swing Trade. You could find that on Amazon and uh, pick up a copy if you're interested in swing trading. Jared can be seen daily when the markets are open on Engineering the Markets starts at 8 a.m. Uh, can be found on YouTube at the Bear Bulls uh, channel. Uh, obviously, the Bear Bull chat room if you're there or on Trading View. So, and both are moderators with the Bear Bulls chat room and you can see them live throughout the market day. So thank you both for being here. I really appreciate it and uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Good deal. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Jared. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it.